There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. We're live at Barasti, but we are live from the studio. This is Dubai Eye 103.8. Uh, it is myself, Tom Merck, alongside Chris McCarty, Robbie Greenfield, and a whole host of special guests as well. Uh, special guests who have got a bit of time on their hands because it doesn't really matter whether you're a leader of a country, whether one of the finest uh, sportsmen or sportswomen on this planet, uh, or you're just your average Joe. Everybody is in the same boat. Uh, most people around the world are now being asked to stay at home, to social distance, to physically distance themselves. Uh, on, on the uh, rare occasion, people are being asked to isolate, especially if they are showing uh, symptoms of the COVID-19 strain of coronavirus. And it's having an impact on everyone, uh, including, of course, international sportsmen. Uh, let's well, get, catch up with Johnny Bairstow, see uh, what he's getting up to at the moment. Obviously, the Sri Lanka tour uh, has been kiboshed. All of the England players back in the UK and all of them in their plush pads. Just tell us how you're managing this situation so far. I think like anyone, to be honest with you, it's a bit of a surreal um, experience. I mean, being told that the cricket season's kind of on hold, everything's on hold, you've got to stay at home, and, um, well, complete lockdown is definitely different for, for everyone. Um, trying to stay fit is the number one thing, doing household chores... Um, cutting the lawn and uh, yeah, just um, just trying to keep yourself mentally active more than anything. How much time then would you typically be spending keeping fit and doing exercise? And and when do you feel as though you've done enough for the day? It's it's not easy, is it? No, it's not. I mean, I'm definitely getting my hour in a day um, outside of the house. Um, yeah. Just trying to uh, stay active, like in the garden, doing doing things in the garden. Um, is, a, is another good way of doing it. Um, having renovated the house just recently, there's plenty of things that I can be on with. So, um, yeah, making sure that my sister's not doing my head in too much um, <laughs> is another way. And um, How's that going? Yeah. yeah, it's going all right. Yeah, it's going <laughs> so far. I, I could hear it laughing in the background. It was a slightly nervous laugh. I understand you're, you're, you're getting a dog. Is, is that right? Yeah, we're getting a dog in the family, yeah. Uh, my mum took the plunge, uh, actually on Mother's Day, uh, decided that she was going to get a dog. So, yeah, there's uh, a, a little Rhodesian Ridgeback puppy that's uh, going to be hopefully on its way as long as all the roads aren't closed. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, it's on its way. Let's hope it gets you sooner rather than uh, later. How important are those things, Johnny, in, in terms of when you, when you don't know quite what you're planning for or what the future's going to be holding, everyone in the same boat? How important is it to have those distractions, those things that can bring a, bring a bit of structure to the day? Yeah, exactly. It is very important. Um, and also it brings a new energy as well to, to the household. The puppy's going to be uh, great fun um, getting to know it. Um, each and every one of us being able to go and take it for a walk, um, stay active with, with that kind of thing. But it's having things outside of your, your natural daily routine. Some people might be trying to learn a language, others might be um, learning yoga, Pilates, other things that they may not um, have chance uh, to do as much day to day. And this opportunity gives um, people a chance to, to learn new skills and develop new skills. And we saw James Anderson, Stuart Broad and Mark Wood doing a virtual cycle race. Um, were you tempted? 
Uh, I'd just rather go running in the fresh air, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll use that, that hour to just uh, to go running. But it is something that uh, I have contemplated, whether it be that or getting an assault bike. Uh, the ECB have sent us some um, some equipment to be able to do circuits out in the out in the garden. Um, so it's just a case of getting your running in um, as much as as much as you can in that hour a day that we are allowed out. Strange times uh, for sports men, sports women, uh, and of course us mere mortals alike. Uh, but there is the solution. Just get a puppy. Everything's going to be fine. <laughs> uh, Mark Archer, I hear that uh, you are climbing the walls at the moment. Joins us live on the line. Just get a puppy, Arch. Yeah, evening, gents. And um, funny that you talk about England cricket and Johnny Best. I was actually I saw the England play two weeks ago over in Sri Lanka. I don't know. I know I've sort of told you about my escape story, and uh, I headed to Sri Lanka. I was working for the week in, um, as I have for most of the last sort of eight to nine months, in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And when the sort of the lockdown, the shut planes stopped flying, I thought, well, what better place to get stuck? England are on tour. They're in Sri Lanka can probably watch a bit of cricket. So I, I, I flew back to Sri Lanka, and then they shut the airline route back to Saudi Arabia. So I actually went and watched a session of England player warm-up for the Test Match series that's actually been postponed, obviously, since then, and saw a nice session of England batting. Uh, um, pretty easy bowling, to be honest, from the Sri Lankan Prime Minister's eleven in at Colombo. But then I, then I got on a plane and got back to Dubai two weeks ago. So haven't got a puppy, but uh, that was my last fix of sport. And it's been a long two weeks. I can tell you, I'll tell you that for free. Archie, just on the cricket thing, I mean, you play cricket to a very high standard as well. Um, you know, it's, it's very easy to ask listeners out there to feel sorry for uh, professional sports men and women who are paid very well for applying their trade as well. But just in terms of the sort of being match fit, being match ready, the fact that cricketers, international cricketers, finishing their season mid-season, or or not even, uh, certainly finishing their international season mid-season with the the option of franchise cricket just around the corner, the brand new county season just around the corner as well. The lack of net practice, the lack of uh, pre-season tours, the lack of match readiness. How much is that going to affect cricketers at that level? Yeah, Tom, it's an interesting point. I think that given the fact that the players seem to swap seamlessly between red ball cricket and white ball cricket these days, they seem to be a lot more adept at uh, travelling and playing in different countries. You know, you talk about cricket, the IPL is supposed to start in two weeks' time. That's going to get pushed. You know, England is supposed to be playing a test series currently in Sri Lanka, and then they're going to come back and take on the West Indies county season supposed to get underway. So I think I think players today are a lot more adept at changing between conditions and environments, and obviously the, the, the T20 format, 50 over format, and the Red Bull format as well. But that being said, still incredibly difficult. Guys need to get their reps in. They need to be out in the middle. You need to get a sense of timing, a sense of feeling. Bowlers, there's nothing like a bowler putting in spells you know, on the pitch as opposed to in the nets. So there is a there's a distinct place for match fitness, but there's also you need, as you know, you need to get your eye and you need to get it timing, you need to get in, into the match feel. So very difficult to just pick it up after after a, a period um, of not playing and not practicing, 
and just getting on with it. Very, extremely difficult. Archie, great to have you on the show. Very good evening to you. You might want to get the missus to record this next bit for you because I think we all owe you an apology. It was about three, four weeks ago that we were sat down in Barasti and you said, guys, this is serious. This is going to be the end of the Premier League football season, the football seasons around the globe, the Olympics and other sporting fair. And you're absolutely spot on, mate. So looking at that crystal ball, I know you're a well-connected man as well. What is the prognosis? Give me a... And be kind to us all. What are we looking at for the next few months in sport? Well, it was interesting, Chris. It was actually a week before that. It was actually at uh, when this all kicked <laughs> off. I think it was about a month ago. It was a month ago, and I was sitting with um, your good mate Paul Espy at the tennis, and with Tom doing a doing a grill session from there. I think you were in the uh, eating prawn sandwiches. I was and on the court there watching the final. I think it might have been the men's final um, about to take place, and. Uh, I said to Tom, I just looked at the trends coming out of what was happening in China, and all the talk was about this, the, the, the COVID-19 virus and what it was going to do. And people were speculating and talking. I said, guys, we need to watch this. This is, this is, this is serious now. Then the following week, we were at Brasti, and I just said, it's, it was just gathering too much speed too quickly. And it, as you, you know, and it was just so hard to predict, but I just saw it taking effect so quickly on sport where a lot of people gather at, at a you know, at one point in time, and it was just growing exponentially. So, look, I, uh, it's one of those predictions. I'm, I'm actually afraid I got right. Um, there's not many of them in the sporting world, but um, yeah, I mean, goodness gracious me! Two weeks ago, you know, the the the, the, the world has changed. It will be changed for good. The sporting landscape is definitely going to recalibrate and reset. Um, and look, I've got. I know you've been talking, and I've been speculating about the Premier League football season. And it seems it seems even tough to talk about, you know, when sports are going to resume. We're seeing, we're reading, and I don't want to dwell on it, but we're reading reports every day now, and nearly a thousand people are losing their life a day. We're seeing the same thing in Spain, and I, I doubt that the UK is heading quickly in that direction as well. And to talk about the re- resumption of sports seems a little bit narrow-minded. But I guess we, we have been missing it. We have been missing that release. We have been missing something to talk about um, to give ourselves some good news and a bit of banter. But um, I, look, I've got two theories on it. I've got a, I've got a glass half-full theory, and that is that, you know, I think I think the earliest we're going to see any sport anywhere is probably two to three months' time. That's the best-case scenario. I think the reality of it, though, we're not going to see a lot of sport in the rest of 2020. That's just the, the, the facts of the way, if you if you look at this way the virus is trending, you look at the impact it's having on sports now. We've just called off an Olympics. That's in July and August. Um, I can't see football being played in Europe again till maybe November, December at the earliest. And by that stage, you, they're going to have to have made some pretty hard decisions on, on, on what stays, what goes, uh, on how they're going to call seasons. But for me, that's that's just being rea- brutally re- realistic. And maybe it's going to recalibrate and reset the sporting world. You know, things things we talk about with player salaries, I know we debate it all, all the time, and we talk about the medical staff and the doctors and nurses doing their jobs. Doesn't it put the world in perspective all of a sudden on, on who's doing the work, who's saving lives? Who's going out into the front line, and, 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 and players and the rest of us are at home speculating it. And you talk also about sports at risk. I, I think a lot of sports may struggle to come out of this. You talk about sports like rugby league, which is played in really two primary areas in the world: the north of England and uh, New South Wales and Australia. And there's two sports that struggle because there's not an international, a really strong international code. They, they, they are reliant on their domestic seasons, and when you've decimated the, the NRL and Super League season is going to be written off in both those competitions. Some of those competitions uh, may not emerge again. So 
sorry to uh, paint a picture of doom there, but I think that's the, given the worst case scenario. I think I think this is going to recalibrate the sporting world. You really are a cheerful soul, Mark Archer. Thank you very much for that. That's cheered me up no end, that has. But uh, no, I mean, you're talking an awful lot of sense, Arch. And a man who is much more au fait with the kind of commercial conversations, certainly than I am, that go on in the, in the corridors of power throughout the world of sport. You know, when you're looking at countries mobilising their national health services who are on the front line and are only just starting to be able to get tests for those frontline workers who are directly exposed to the ill... Are we finally, and you talk about a recalibration, tell me something good that's going to come out of this. Are we going to get rid of the Mino Riolas of this world? Are, are the agents, the super agents, the super wealthy, the people that cannibalise football and, and other sports, the people that make an awful lot of money that perhaps they don't deserve to make off the back of their relationship with sport, is there going to be a day of reckoning for them? Because what kind of conversations are going to be taking place between the, the stakeholders, the rights holders, the broadcasters, the agents, the money men of sport now? Will they finally grow a bit of humility, do you think, throughout all this? Well, you'd like to think so, Robbie. You'd like to think that the, the, the whole world will take a look at itself in this time. Everyone's, everyone's isolating. Everyone's doing a lot of thinking, a lot of reading. Everyone's listening to uh, fine gentlemen like yourself on the radio and Tom's new TV show and, uh, and, 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 and learning a lot more about themselves. And, I, I, you know, you look at, again, it's not to harp on about it, but there are a lot of players in sports that earn a tremendous amount of money for kicking a ball around, for, for, for dunking a basketball, for um, hitting, hitting a piece of leather. Uh, hitting a baseball um, around the world, they earn millions and millions of dollars. And, and when, when you put it in perspective about people who go out and save lives and put themselves at risk to save other people's lives, it does bring a lot of perspective to the world. And you just hope that one of the things that do come out of this is that there maybe is a recalibration between what some of those top athletes pay. I know it's all user pays, it's all demand. People will pay what they ultimately get ultimately worth and what someone wants to pay for them. But you hope it does reset everything and, and maybe balance the playing field a little bit, um, make people appreciate sport, appreciate their careers. Maybe the behaviour of players will change. We often talk about Premier League players and football players and some of the nastiest things that they get up to on the pitch and off the pitch. Maybe maybe people will sort of um, realise that uh, you've got to get on with the people and, 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 and be better human beings. So... Look, let's hope, let's hope that there's, there's, there's a good positive recalibration and, and, and the sporting world as we reset and we move on and we, you know, we, we move on to bigger and better things. Interesting enough, you'll be interested in this chat. We talked to, I know you guys have been talking about the Olympics. I spoke to a good buddy of mine, Mr. Anthony Scanlon, who puts on golf at the Olympics. And obviously, the, the, the announcement this week that Tokyo is going to get moved probably around 12 months. Um, they still don't set those dates. So it's tremendously difficult. So every, every sporting body Every athlete now is, they don't know when they're going to restart. So it's mm. so difficult from commercial discussions, training discussions, setting a plan for next year. You know, Olympics come around every four years. So every sport, including golf, which has a, a pretty pretty consistent schedule, has to get changed. There's so many stakeholders. You look at golf alone, Robbie, you've got the, the two men's, major men's tours, you've got the ladies' tours. That has to now be realigned for next year with throw Olympics in there. It just that's just one example of one sport. Then you look at all the, the football leagues around the world. It's going to cause absolute havoc. So let's let's hope they 
they keep things simple, they get things organised, and we're back at Brest as soon as possible talking sport again. Absolutely, Arch. Listen, one sport that has been making headlines for all the right reasons, of course, not currently uh, in season, and that is the American football, it is the NFL. Confirmation over the course of the past 24 hours that the NFL draft for 2020 slated for April 23rd through to the 25th. It will go ahead as planned. Likely, Hood will be no players, no fans, no media in attendance. A lot of movers and shakers in the last couple of weeks when it pertains to NFL sides. Tom Brady, the headline act, he's heading on down to Tampa with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Anything else that stood out to you? Yeah, I know you guys have been talking uh, lots of different sports tonight. I know you've been doing a nice little quiz there. I have a question for you, Chris, Mm. NFL-related. I'm going to give you the... I'll I'll, I'll tell you a bit about some of the free agent movements and some of the things that have been happening beyond the draft. But here's my question for you, and you can't cheat. The guys can vouch for this. You talked about the draft there, which will take place 23rd to 25th of April. You may know the answer straight away. Who has the first pick in this year's draft? Which team has the first pick? Good question. I'll give you a minute. Is it Cincinnati Bengals? Well done, well done. No stumping you. Yeah, thought it was. Of course, Andy Dalton is gone. They're going for a quarterback, right? Yeah, well, that, that's the play. And then whilst you're talking about quarterbacks, lots of movement. Back obviously, to the drawing board, aren't Brady, <laughs> Tom, 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 Tom Brady, the, the, the high-profile mover in the quarterback scenes. Twenty years, twenty-year uh, career at the New England Patriots. He is the goat. Six Super Bowl rings. He signed that two-year, fifty million dollar deal down at uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And of course, you'll know the, buck- the Bucks well because it's the Glaciers also in Man United. Yeah. So we to see how they how they have Tom Brady down there. But that set up a whole chain of different movements. Uh, one high-profile quarterback, Cam Newton, has been released by the uh, Carolina Panthers after nine years at that franchise. He's been the face of the, the Panthers for a long time. He was the MVP in 2015. He, uh, of course, lost that 2015 Super Bowl to the Denver Broncos. We're not quite sure where he's going to go yet, but he's had a really injury play last season. He, he only played two games. So, we're, but, but a heck of a player can beat a team with his arm, can beat a team with his feet as well, can be a running, a running type quarterback offers some different threats. It's interesting to see where he ends up. Um, but the, the um, Carolina Panthers look set to sign Teddy Bridgewater from the, being from the New, New Orleans Saints. He's been the backup there for the Saints. Many people will remember Bridgewater that he played at, uh, at the Vikings for a couple of years. But he's going to sign at the Carolina Panthers, rumored to be a three-year, $63 million contract. Other movers, Philip Rivers, who's been you know, 16 years a career player at the San Diego Chargers, now the LA Chargers, he's joined the Indianapolis Colts on a one-year contract. Jacksonville Jaguars, they've, uh, they're trading, um, they've traded Nick Foles, who was the star, uh, the MVP from Super Bowl 52 for the Philadelphia Eagles a couple of seasons ago. He, he's been traded to the uh, Chicago Bears. And the other big mover really is a re-signing, Drew Brees, who's been, uh, for, he'll be a Hall of Fame quarterback when his time comes. He's re-signed again with the New Orleans Saints for another two years, $50 million for him. So we talk about big salaries in sport. There's, there's none bigger than the NFL. <laughs> Uh, Archie Arch, got to let you go. Uh, why? Because I know that you've got to be readying yourself and your uh, your apartment for Earth Hour in just a few minutes' time. You've got 10 minutes, OK, uh, to make sure that uh, all in the Archer household are ready uh, at the light switches. Turn all the lights off at half past, Archie, uh, and then just, well, don't tell the wife to put them back on and just you know, then you'll be all right. You can watch whatever you want on TV a little later on. You know what, Tom? We've been spending a lot of time at everyone's homes this week, and you guys have been spending a lot of time at work. I've made a couple of unprecedented, to use that word, discoveries at home this week. I've been trying to under, under, understand one of the great mysteries of home domestics. It's the case oh, of the missing socks. You know when you have a missing socks drawer and you have all single socks? So I've spent a day going along with my socks. 
and and you, you'll be. This is a sort of. Can I just put the note. phone down on him? Shall I, I just put the phone down on him? I, What's he talking about now? I found this, Tom, I found this amazing website, and it's a website that if you want to buy something online, they actually deliver it to your home, and it's called Amazon. So I've, I've figured <laughs> out I've got Amazon this week, and I've organised a exercise spin cycle. It's been delivered through this amazing website. If you've never been on it before, Amazon, A-M-A-Z-O-N. You can order stuff. They bring it to your door. You can set it up. Worth investing in as well, I reckon, Archie. Arch. One hour a day on Netflix. I would say get out more, but then that would just be inappropriate, wouldn't it? So, uh, Arch, uh, we're going to let you, well, climb another wall. Uh, Thank you very much indeed for uh, your input on the show this evening. We'll definitely catch up with Mark Archer again in the near future. After that, he's barred No, you're right. That's it, you're done. Uh, Let's just leave him to... Picking his single socks out of the <laughs> laundry basket, putting them back together and everything. Earth hours around the corner. This is The Grill. On Dubai Eye 103.8. Now, Barasti at the moment, uh, back in the studio, uh, given, of course, uh, the social distancing and physical distancing that's going on around the world at the moment. We are getting ready for Earth Hour. We'll celebrate that in a few moments' time to take us there. Uh, one more round, me fears, of On This Day in History as we look back at some significant sporting events that took part on the 28th of March in years gone by. They're neck and neck at the moment, the boys. Uh, they've done their on th- this day in uh, sport. They've also done the birthdays for today. I've got one more for them. So, uh, Robbie, I- I'm going to give you the option. Um, I suppose it's not so much a home and away. It might be a bit sort of a home and away. I'll give you the sports and you can choose. Uh, do you want a boxing one or a football one? Ooh. Uh, I will take a boxing one. I'll take my chance on boxing. You're going to take your chance on boxing. OK, I need the name... Oh, sorry. I need the year, but also the significance of the fight. I mean, it'll be pretty much given as to one of the fighters. I need you to identify the other one and the significance okay. of that fight. OK. Uh, this is On This Day in Sporting History. Bravery. Bravery for which Briggs is going to pay. Well, if you're in New York tonight, you can be proud, you know. This guy's shown, hey, I'm just not a... He slipped down that time. And that's all. Yeah. Good enough, good enough. Riggs begging Cappuccino for another chance. But he was already in the danger zone. Let me tell you, for boxing, that was a must-have fight. This guy, Shannon Briggs, supplied to us boxing fans what we needed. When you're out, get up anyway. That's what we needed. You can say whatever you want, but this man was brave tonight. Oh, no question. That was a very brave effort. And he came back and not try to cover up and run. He went toe-to-toe with a puncher and got the worst of it. He went toe-to-toe with a puncher. Ooh, that is a great one. Shannon, Shannon Briggs. Briggs. A very colourful character. I didn't uh, catch who he beat. I... You don't know it. I'm going to say Lennox Lewis. Is the right answer. Oh, well done, you. One point. Uh, it was billed as March Badness. Love it. Um, it was uh, held at Caesars Palace uh, over in the United States. Uh, but what year? I will say... OK, let me just think about this. Lewis fought Tyson, I believe, in 2002. I think it was, ultimately. I'm going to say 1999. Oh, Robbie Greenfield. Oh. So close. So close. McCarty? It's a year earlier. It's 
1998. 1998 yes. oh, okay. Uh, Sean and Briggs, heck of a, you think of his career, by the way. But yeah, that is a heck of a... Well done, you, Roland. And I will that. say, I, I do think, and I do feel that Lennox Lewis... Best of us. ...is the best heavyweight. Oh, I'd love to see him up against Tyson Fury. That would be a great fight. Um, Lennox Lewis is probably the best heavyweight of the last 20 years. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Uh, that was uh, a point to you, which means, Chris McCarty, you've got one not more David Goodwillie this do. time, is it? OK, it's not David Goodwillie, uh, but congratulations. Yeah, that was Britain's uh, Lennox Lewis knocking out um, uh, Shannon Briggs en route to a fifth-round technical knockout victory to retain his WBC heavyweight title on this day in 1998. This is the last one, Chris McCarty. I need a year and a significance, please. His race. All right, long way out. United and of many other clubs. Swerved, confused goalkeeper. 1 0 Arsenal. You watch this ball and watch what the goalkeeper's got. Look at that ball move. Such ferocity in it. Thinks it's going to his right. It's suddenly moved to his left. And it's past him before he can do anything about it. And in the spirit of good cliffhangers, we're going to have to leave it there for a moment. I'll let Chris McCarty ponder on that one. Why? Because at 29 minutes past eight on this Saturday, March the 28th, it is time for us to recognise Earth Hour. The objective is to encourage people to adopt a responsible lifestyle on using electricity and water to support the national efforts to reduce carbon emissions and protect natural resources to ensure their availability for generations to come. Diwa are observing Earth Hour 2020 uh, in a number of venues across the city and the theme this year raise your voice for nature uh, as all customers and the public are asked to participate in earth hour by turning off unnecessary lights and electric appliances in round about 12 seconds time if you're listening to some music put it up now it is time now for earth hour we can save the earth in more than one way switch off the lights and stay home it's earth hour on dubai i 103.8 i see trees of green red roses too i see them blue for me and you And I think to myself What a wonderful world I see skies of blue And clouds of white The bright blessed day The dark sacred night And I think to myself What a wonderful world The colors of the rainbow So pretty in the sky Are also on the faces Of people going by I see friends shaking hands Cry. 
much more than I never knew. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Yes, I think to myself, what a wonderful on behalf of all the team at The Grill, all the team at Dubai I 103.8, all the team at the Arabian Radio Network. Happy Earth Hour. You're listening to The Grill. More of the biggest sports stories now. On Dubai I 103.8. Hope you're enjoying your Earth Hour experience out there. Uh, as you will see, if you look out your window at the moment, some of the iconic buildings of Dubai have been clouded in darkness this evening as a number of people have taken up the call uh, to recognise Earth Hour this year, uh, albeit a very significant and different year. Talking of years, we've been asking Chris McCarty to tell us what the year this was. His race. All right, long way out. Oh, it's flashed in. <laughs> it's another extraordinary goal from Thierry who's been a scourge of Manchester United and of many other clubs. Swerved, confused goalkeeper. 1-0 Arsenal. You watch this ball and watch what the goalkeeper's got. Look at that ball move. Such ferocity in it. Thinks it's going to his right. It's suddenly moved to his left. And it's past him before he can do anything about it. Chris McCarty, for the points, for the cake, for the glory. Year and context. I'm not sure. It's flashed past him. The one that springs to mind is the one that Reyes, well, I'm assuming it's Reyes rolls it into him, where he flicks it up and then flashes it past Fabian Barthez. It's Gary Neville who's up behind him. That's the one I'm thinking. But then again, I thought that was 2000. And I thought that was October 2000. But you're going to tell me no, because it's March 28th. It's March the 28th. It's a significant game, a significant result for... Was it that goal I'm talking about? It wasn't the end of Arsenal's unbeaten run, was it? No. No, they lost 2-0 to Man United that game. Ah. I'll give you the final score. It finished 1-1. It finished 1-1. Louis Saha uh, equalised late on in that game at Highbury. Was it the final final game, final Man United-Arsenal game at Highbury? Nope. It's 200th goal. It's not. Louis Saha, cheapers. 1 1 at Highbury. Can I have to push you? <laughs> <laughs> Can I phone a friend? Can I phone a friend? What year is it? Well, that's, we're asking you, aren't you? Louis Saha, so let me think this through. So, Yapstam, he left. As we know, matches between these two teams. So, okay, so Arsenal captain Patrick Vieira had been sent off when the sides met at Old Trafford earlier in that season. Oh, come on, that's too much of a clue. No. No. 1-1. I'll say 2002. I'll guess 2002. It's not a bad guess. It's not a bad guess, but it's the wrong answer. 2003. It's the wrong answer. It's March 28th, 2004. You're quite right. You're bang on the money about uh, uh, Thierry Henry. It's one of those wonder goals, wasn't it? Just rolled into him, picks it up and sort of hits it. It's during the Invincible season. 
This ah, is no, no. Roy Carroll's in goals. Roy Carroll's in goals. It's not the Bartez one. It's Roy Carroll. I remember this goal now. It's straight at Roy Carroll. It's swear. You should save it. I know the one you're talking about now. Okay, so, so why is it significant? Was it the game in which Arsenal was at Nottingham Forest who had the record previously? You bang on the money. See, this is where you go. This is where you get the money, isn't it? Yeah. So they get 1-1 one, one draw, yeah, and that's which means t- they're unbeaten. Yeah. Extended run goes to 30 Four, games. That's 30. They so beat for, Forest's previously. Exactly, yeah. Oh, so they go. go to that. And then what do they do straight after this one? They go on to wrap up the league the next month. Yeah, unbeaten. And get the tag of? The Invincibles. Invincibles. There we go. That's a terrible goal from Roy Carroll's perspective. <laughs> I, I do remember Admonishing that. Roy Carroll. It's that, yeah, I remember it. it was 16 a, years after the fact. Yeah, it was a horrible night, that. Well, you know, you didn't blue that night. Uh, they were, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, my word. They were. I do remember that. Louis Saha. Uh, Good player, Louis, you know. Yeah. Injuries. He had injury problems. I know Fergie said it. He's like, he had the lot, Louis. Speed. Good on his left, good on his right, had a leap on him, could hit, like, he was so good, but just between the years, unfortunately, for Louis Saha, always broke down, injured, you know, Fergie said that it was injuries that the boy had, the boy had kind of issues. Where did he end up? Everton, did Louis, and then he went and had a spell, did he not go over to India? I think he went over to the uh, ISL, the Indian Super League, for a season. Did Louis Saha, heck of a player. Came through at Mets, then Newcastle, Fulham, Man U bought him. And then he went on to Everton under David Moyes. Well, well done to you both for your sporting knowledge. We've been talking throughout the show about how sportsmen, sportswomen, uh, professionals in their field are dealing with the current stay-at-home culture. Uh, Kevin Phillips, uh, former footballer, uh, believes it could be a bit of a wake-up call for a number of professional footballers. Anything you can do just to keep yourself, keep your brain ticking over, keep yourself motivated. Of course, these lads are physically fit. They will tick over and they will try and get themselves, you know, keep themselves as physically fit as they as they possibly can. The, the biggest thing is it's meant the mental side of it. And you know, we, we we all know that you know within football, mental health issue is a big problem. And you know this. This situation we're in at the moment, you know, if players can keep themselves occupied, uh, occupied, and if that means making videos for YouTube, as we've seen on, on social media, we've seen that you guys have, 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 have certainly shown on your show with players coming up with ideas to so try and keep everyone involved. And I think it's hugely important. Uh, you know, I found when I first retired, although I went straight into the coach, coaching side, mentally it's very, very difficult. So these players are actually experiencing now for a while what it's like when you do retire. So the, the big message for me is mentally try and keep yourself really active. Uh, one man who I'm sure will appear in quizzes in many years to come as a question is the man we're going to hear from next. Uh, he was, of course, the first high-profile diagnosis of the coronavirus uh, for, for in the, within the football world. And I suppose in many ways the man that prompted a number of teams and leagues then to look at their their uh, actions uh, and whether they should be continuing with games. Good news is that Mikel Arteta, the Arsenal boss, has made a full recovery and is able to tell us about it. Uh, there are different aspects that uh, we have to try to maintain. You know, the one is health is the most important one for sure. So just try to make everything and cover all the necessities players, staff and employees need to try to sustain the club with healthy people. That's the first one that's our responsibility. The second one with players is the physical aspect. They all have programs, they all have individual work to do that they are 
really doing it and, and really trying to maintain themselves prepared for when we have to get back playing. And the third one is their minds. So there is the psychological support that they need that we are giving them. And as well, I'm giving them a lot of homework to do because uh, I've been reviewing everything that uh, we've been doing since I joined. The things that we have to try to maintain doing, improve and develop. And individually, I have to say they are really enjoying the challenge. So we might get a few coaches after this virus and or at least a few players that can or are willing to start on that path because I think that they are really enjoying the process. It's great to see him well again and Arteta was full of praise for the sport that he was given after testing positive for coronavirus. Uh, says he is proud to be a part of the club. I'm really impressed and um, I feel proud uh, for where I am now because in difficult moments is when do you really see the people, how they react, how they think, how they prioritise things. And uh, all the phone calls I'm having with all the members of the board, uh, all my technical staff, all the coaching staff, all the players, how aware and how encouraged they all are to try to help, to try to be on board of the situation, to try to make things easier for the club. It's been amazing. And uh, to be fair, I have to say that I'm very privileged to work with these, with these people. Just love the way that different sportsmen and different sports are sort of dealing with the issues. You know, I heard about Johnny Bairstow there getting a puppy, mowing the lawn. Uh, and then the footballers, you know, coming up with memes, coming up with videos, coming up with challenges. Each sport seems yeah. to be unique in its own way. It's exactly that. It's, it's, people are seeing this. Some people see this time as an opportunity. Others, in the case of Johnny, it's a time for a lot of these sportsmen and women to spend time with families. Yeah. Because I know they're rewarded handsomely, and we say it time and time again on the show, but equally, you know, they are away from loved ones for a long time. The, the season and, and whatever it may be, cricket, I mean, they were off to Sri Lanka again for, from a cricketing standpoint especially. You are away a long time, so for a lot of these people... Spend a bit of time, quality time. Mm. Well, you've nowhere else to go, really. It has to be quality time, doesn't it? Tell you the other thing that's been quite interesting, and this I think, suppose, just because we're all sort of media geeks in our own little right, is is that the sort of the way it's 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 asked a lot of presenters and media platforms to be a bit more creative yeah. with their interviews. And there's one that I just want to play you out at the moment and get your thoughts because it's 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 one that I'm sure you'll appreciate. Because you know how often do we hear Rory McIlroy being interviewed, um, and it's usually the same old thing. And it's usually him coming off a driving range or coming off a, 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 a off off the course or whatever. Um, He's stuck in, inside, uh, albeit he's got a bit of room you know, to, to yeah. work around and things like that wherever he is at the moment. Uh, but rather than send a golf journalist to speak to him, they asked Jamie Radner to have a quick word with him. And what they did is the split screen, uh, and they both sort of sat in their front rooms, and it's just such a sort of liberating yeah. interview. You know, they're both... There's no, there's no sort of defences up or anything like that. They're both on whatever platform they're on. They're both kicking back on, their, on, their, on, on their sort of... In their environment, questionable right? um, <laughs> armchairs yeah. and sofas, settees, whatever. Uh, and this is what they had to say for each other. Since uh, since Thursday at the players, whenever that was, a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah. I don't really. I mean, I'm sort of one of these people that I need something to practice for, and yeah. I don't like. I don't. I have no idea when we're going to play again. I have no idea, like. I'd rather build myself up to something because I know if I go out there and hit balls or do something like I'll, I'm not doing it for any purpose. And I've sort of realized over these last couple of weeks that 
like I, I I love golf obviously and golf's given me a lot of really great things and but I think I love the competition more so I think yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. The, that's the thing that you know and, and if there's no competition there's nothing to look forward to I don't really see the point in going out and practicing if we have like a deadline and and you know the, the tour say to us you know in a few weeks time okay we're going to start again in four weeks perfect I know I have a four-week runway so I can work on things and get ready again and sort of use it as like a, a little sort of preseason. Um, but right now I'm, I'm just sort of enjoying spending some time at home and um, sort of getting after it in the gym a little bit, spending a bit of time by the pool, playing a bit of tennis. So I, I realize I, you know, there's a lot of us that are very fortunate and we have, you know, gyms in our house and all sorts of stuff so we can keep busy. And, and obviously a lot of other people don't, don't have that luxury. So um, but yeah, we're we're getting on with it, and, and hopefully everything sort of gets back to normality in the you know the next couple of months, and we can we can all get on get on with it and, and sort of start again. Exactly, man. Well, I'm thinking like 2010, 2011, when you had that hair, the way it's going, I can see the oh, perm it's, it's coming back. There. I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I know, I'm going full beard. <laughs> I can see it. Do you remember that little one with the hair coming out of the bottom? I think that's what's, that's going to be the future. You're going to bring that back. Yeah, I don't know about that. I, uh, I, actually, just, I actually just shaved before this because uh, I sort of had a bit of growth going as well, but I can't pull the beard off as good as you, so... Um, oh, I don't know about that. Clean, clean but it does feel like I had a shower, I washed, I even put a little bit of perfume on tonight, a little bit of aftershave because I thought, you know, I'm going to talk to you. Hey, mate. But listen, let's get on. Let's have a little bit of a chat. What, what are you hearing from the, the tour? Are they going to try and get the Masters going, you know, maybe later in the year? What do you, what do you think will happen with that? I don't know. I mean, you know, obviously the Augusta sort of play their cards close to their chest. Um, they don't really let much out of the bag. I, I mean, I I hope that they I hope that they play it in, in sort of October time, which is the rumor. Um, I think it would be I think it would be, would be great. I mean, I, potentially you're looking at four majors and a Ryder Cup and the FedEx Cup in the space of um like 12 weeks if if it does happen if you if you know say like say the open for example gets postponed and that has to be moved back to september um you might have the pga championship in august then the fedex cup then the open championship uh then the Ryder cup then the masters and then if the u.s open gets postponed maybe that gets pushed back to october or november so I mean, yeah, you're. I mean, if if we all get back to playing sort of midsummer, it, it's it's going to be a hectic sort of twelve or fifteen weeks of you know four majors, Ryder Cup, all the big events in the space of a couple of months. Listening to that, there, one thing that has become so apparent is that where the the line was so clearly demarcated between the journalists or the media of which Redknapp belongs, Jamie yeah. Redknapp belongs to, and the athletes. Now they're as in the dark as we are, because yeah. that is pure speculation from yeah, him. Yeah. He's got no clue whether the Masters will take place in October. He doesn't have a clue whether the Open Championship can be pushed back to September or July or whatever date they're talking about. I think, you know, all the players, and you'd, you'd think that if anyone's going to have an in, 
if anyone's going to have an inkling as to what's going on, it would be the world number one. But now they're just having a chin wag, and it's actually okay. Rory McIlroy lives in Florida, and he's already talking about having a tennis court and a gym, and he's lucky to have those facilities in his back garden where he can actually continue his daily routine, whereby his practice isn't that badly interrupted. There are some people with eight people crammed into a little one one bedroom flat, you know, and, and he doesn't live in that world anymore, and he's he's acknowledging of that, but. He is as, as, as clueless as the rest yeah. of us as to what's going to happen. Yeah. So the whole thing, it's just amazing how the whole landscape and the whole clear line between, as you just said, you know, the interviews, they come off the green. Yeah, could have hold more putts today. How did you feel you played? Oh, yeah, I drove it pretty straight. But all yeah. of that is gone. That, it's just that like whole the big facade Le- has lifted. It's just the big Lebowski now, yeah, isn't exactly. it? Yeah, you know, exactly. So what do you reckon's going to happen? Oh, I don't know. What do you reckon's going to happen? Might have, no clue either. Might have a shower. Uh, yeah. No, forget it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's I Am Legend. Little apology to uh, Mark Archer, who's currently climbing his fifth wall of the evening, uh, <laughs> listening on to that, going, Rory, oh, yeah, I might just pop out to the tennis court, have a quick hit out there, and then I might have a few lengths and things like that. So you're right, that is... Um, um, mind you, he's earned it, hasn't he? Four zero. I, I could almost hear him thinking as he was saying that. Wait a minute, this is going to come across <laughs> as really entitled, so I better just put in another little line Backtrack. about how I'm lucky. <laughs> uh, let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up. This is the grill. Get involved with Dubai Eye on Facebook. It is Earth Hour. Turn those lights off. Keep them turned off for the next 40 minutes or so. Uh, That's it from The Grill for another week uh, and possibly for a little bit of a hiatus as well. More details on that to follow. Uh, Huge thanks to Barasti and all the team down there at Barasti for their support as well. Hopefully we will be back there before you know it. uh, Talking up live sport and, of course, introducing some more big names. Chris McCarty, can't thank you enough for all the support, fella. Yeah, thank you very much, Tom. Big thanks to all the listeners as well. And as you say, do stay tuned Dubai 103.8. Some interesting little developments, I think, over the course of the next 24 hours or so. Indeed, yeah. Those tuning in at 6 o'clock tomorrow morning uh, uh, to listen to the business breakfast. I promise I'll say it to you. I, 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 it's, it's not, I'm not there to ruin things, all right? I promise. I promise. All will become clear about 7 o'clock tomorrow morning. Uh, Robbie Greenfield, can't thank you enough. Cheers, oh, My fella. pleasure. Thank you very much. Uh, and let's finish off on a, a moment of optimism, if we may. We've been talking... Uh, we had Mark Archer on Doom and Gloom a little earlier on. Uh, talking about the lack of live sport around. That's not to say that we haven't seen a bit of a a change in uh, the landscape, the sporting landscape, with the emergence, the true emergence... Of esports. Well, what, what do they say? Through through what's the what's the adversity quote? Comes adversity comes opportunity. opportunity. Is that the one? Yeah. Well, certainly for esports, it didn't need adversity. Esports was growing as a platform, as a phenomenon, regardless of what has happened in the last couple of weeks. But this has no doubt created even more of an outlet for esports. Online gaming, one point seven billion people around the world, that is what, about a fifth of the world's population wow. are engaged in some level in esports. I call up with the CEO of how about this for a company name Cheesecake Digital. His name is Philip Ride. He is an expert in the field of esports. And I began by asking Philip about the 450 million people actively engaged online as we speak in esports. Stay home. Stay safe. No, stay safe. Stay home. Yes. So some of the research that has been um, conducted on the industry splits between occasional viewers and esports enthusiasts. So. That combined audience of people who watch gaming tournaments online at least once per month is hitting that sort of 450 million people globally. 
It's incredible. And, and a lot of people, I, I notice another thing, people are actually watching, when you look at a, a, a game like FIFA, people are actually watching two combatants play FIFA live streamed to a platform like YouTube. And that's getting, in some cases, bigger views than actual live football. Yes, absolutely. So over the past couple of years, the uh, FIFA E-World Cup, as it's now called, um, players can qualify a and play online from their consoles. If they earn enough points, they get the opportunity to go to live events around the world. And those events are then broadcast onto some of those online platforms. So you've mentioned YouTube, Twitch is another one. And yes, because of the skills that are demonstrated by those players, an audience has been created around those tournaments. And obviously people wanting to understand how to improve and and feel that they are part of that overall experience. When did um, people, Philip, start making money out of esports? When did gamers start being paid professionally for what they do? Um, probably 10 years ago, but it was nowhere close to the sorts of figures that are now being presented. So, you know, in that time, it was the early days of esports and it was a couple of thousand dollars a month. Now, if you are a top-tier player playing for one of the, the major teams around the world, you can be earning anywhere from 100000 all the way up to a million dollars a year. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible what's happening. And I guess as competitive as professional sports are, esports and, and, and actually getting onto one of those teams is as difficult, is as competitive, is as demanding and as, as gruelling, perhaps, as it is to, to make it pro in, in another sport. Uh, definitely. Uh, the number of hours that players invest in their game of choice, um, the, the potential to be scouted and, and then recruited to some of those global teams is much like any other sport. It, it's a small percentage who are able to make it to the top of their chosen game and be able to compete at that global level and, and all the benefits that go with that. So it's not an easy path. It is now more of a viable path. Um, and it's continuing to, to be so as we see new games and new tournaments and events um, come to the, the market. But yes, it, it's still a challenge to, to get there to the top. What do you say to, the, to those naysayers that would argue these guys should not be you know, cooped up inside and that they should be playing actual sport? What do you say to those people? I think it's a, a balancing act. Um, you know, the, the skills that you can develop from playing video games, your communication skills, your problem solving and strategy and things like that, they can be developed arguably more quickly through video games because you have to understand and be able to recognize multiple stimuli at the same time within a gaming environment. So those skills are potentially developed at a quicker pace now, that's not to say it should be at the detriment of physical activity because you know, the research suggests that has benefits of its own. And this is where we're actually seeing a blurring of that. When you look at a lot of the pro international esports teams, they now mandate their players to say, OK, well, actually, we're going to set you a specific gym schedule of when you're going to go to the gym, you're going to have your personal trainer in there, they're going to create a program for you because they recognize the benefits, uh, not just health, but also mentally, of that physical exercise. So it's that message to say, well, yes, you need to, to spend time training as if it was a traditional sport. 
You also need to think about keeping your body in shape and your mind in shape through some form of physical exercise. Yeah, that was interesting to meet up with one of the, the esports commentators, James Banks, I think his name was, over in an event at Abu Dhabi. And he was telling us that the age of the competitors, it's so young. By the time you hit 30, you're over the hill when it comes to esports. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> you know, if you think some of the things that are required for certain types of games, so if we take shooting games and then things like that, a lot of it is down to reaction time and being able to understand and, and try and calculate what's going to happen next within that game environment. So yes, a lot of the pro players end up retiring sort of 25 to 30 because their reaction time has decreased and they're no longer competitive. Um, so in terms of a career, you could almost say, you know, it's similar to football in some respects in the fact that you may train from an early age but not necessarily get scouted and recruited early on. But as you sort of get to that 30 points, you're at the back end of your career. Talk to us, Philip, about how the current coronavirus pandemic has affected esports. I know esports holds a lot of and hosts an awful lot of live events around the globe, which are very well attended. I would imagine, like all other uh, communal gatherings, that those have been placed on hold. But how has the pandemic affected the current esports landscape? It's affected it in two ways, really. So you're absolutely right that a lot of the major esports events, tournaments, and leagues are now hosted in physical venues with a live audience. So some of those have been postponed until later in the year, obviously on the hope that things change and the, and the situation clears up around the world. Others have taken their live format and moved it online. Uh, and I think that's one of the big differences that, that eSports has when compared with traditional sports in that, first and foremost, it was an online property that has then moved to offline so to be able to then say, actually, our fallback option is to go online and you know, use the digital channels and, and the streaming platforms and things like that means that there's still an opportunity to engage that audience. And we've seen some of the sports properties take note of that. So the Formula One has done it. NASCAR has done it. Um, some of the stuff is happening over in the NBA in the US as well is that they've said, OK, actually, we need to try and do something different because we're no longer able to host physical live events. How do we try and engage our audience through digital properties? So Formula One hosted a virtual race through a video game last week. It had some of the regular Formula One drivers involved in that and some celebrities, and that was streamed onto YouTube and Twitch and a couple of other channels. I think actually it was streamed onto Sky Sports in the UK because they had no other content because obviously all the traditional physical sports are on hold. Yeah. Um, so eSports, uh, because of its digital nature, presents a lot of opportunities um, in the current climate. And, and we're certainly getting inquiries from sports media outlets and brands as to how they can utilize it as a way to engage an audience that they can't currently reach through traditional events or, or traditional physical sports. In terms of the long term, I think there will be that mix, obviously, a physical live event presents different opportunities. It obviously has an atmosphere. You know, anybody who's been to a sporting event will, will attest to that. Uh, and I think that's something that the fans now appreciate and recognize and look forward to. So I think those physical events will still be there. I think it will be that a case of the planning stage for those physical events will now take into account, okay, what is our fallback option? And I think some of the traditional sporting events will do the same to say, okay, if there is a similar situation in the future, 
what is our fallback option? What can we do in terms of digital properties and online so that we can still engage our audience? Absolutely. Yeah, you, you make very good points there. A final one for you, Philip. And uh, I guess this is a question that's come up an awful lot on our show. We've debated about it. We've speculated on it. In your expert opinion, is esports inevitably one day going to be featured in the Olympic timetable? <laughs> that's a very tough, tough question to answer. Uh, you know, there are multiple schools of thoughts around that. Um, I think... If we take esports and the term esports as video games in a structured competitive format, then yes. If we take esports as what we see as the most popular titles currently and in the future, probably not. Because a lot of the most popular ones at the minute are the shooting games, and they may not meet the mandates of right. the Olympics unless there is a significant change in their stance. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.